It's Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. Tonight is Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. It's week five, and we're going to talk about the run-pass ratio. All right. Cheers, buddy. Cheers, everybody. That's a that's a lovely whiskey, I gotta tell you. A fine bourbon. Uh, you should bring a, a bottle of scotch one of these times. I know you like to sample the, the fine scotches. Okay, well maybe um, you should beat me in a bet and I'll do that. <laughs> okay. I don't know what our track record is overall, but I feel like I may have an edge on you. I don't know. On uh, bets? Yeah. I mean, you know, we have our up years and down years. Well, we have a spreadsheet. Uh, we have a spreadsheet that has all the bets that we did over like a four-year period, and there's still like 12 that are outstanding. Yes, we have many bets. Well, <laughs> one of them one of them can't be fulfilled yet. That's oh, a George R.R. R. Martin. Uh, yes, yes. We owe Troy uh, the sixth book in the series. So it's never it's this, never, this betting sheet will just never be completed. It's never going to happen. If, if that <laughs> book finally comes out, we'll have to complete the rest of the bets in honor of George. Maybe we'll have to get restaurants to reopen after they've been closed. We don't know. Anyways, uh, this is the fantasy finish line podcast. Uh, this is David Biggs sitting across from me. I am Jason Evans, and we are here to talk about fantasy football and beer and life itself. Why not? Um, this week we are going to be talking about week five did a nice little uh analysis of the run pass ratio it was a good little uh idea dave threw out there i appreciate that one dave and later in the show we're going to talk about uh a segment that uh, i always enjoyed last year the j cut list um dave's got a bunch of players that you should be cutting from your team um, I don't want to call it the J cut list anymore. I but... want to call it the J cut list. Oh my god! It's your segment. We'll call it what you want, <laughs> but I like calling it the J cut list. Well, let me think about it offline. Uh, maybe we'll do uh, like a poll or something uh, of our audience and, and see if we can come up with a couple names that, that people are into. A Twitter poll. I mean, I do like talking about Jay Cutler because he's the best quarterback the Chicago Bears ever had, and all the Chicago Bears fans don't like that. Yeah, but it's true. It's just the truth. Right. Yeah. A lot of people don't like hard truths. I know. This is the way life goes. Yeah. Anyways, um, tonight we are drinking this guy right here. It is... I thought you were going to end there. So. Tonight we are drinking. See ya. Bore <laughs> <laughs> me another shot. It's a short podcast. <laughs> it's, you know, some people be like, all right, cool. I'm done with this one. On to the next one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the microphone beer, microphone beer, Imperial Smells Like Bean Spirit, is um, breakfast stout ale with maple syrup and Tugboat Coffee Roasters Sumatra Menheling Blend. Well, I really like... How did I get through all those big words and mess up on blend? I really like I really like black coffee in general. I like coffee beans. I like the aroma of them. Yeah. I like stouts. Um, I like... Do you like maple syrup? I like craft beer. I like maple syrup. So it's a good one. It's a good one. So this... I've never actually been to this brewery, but it's actually uh, not that far from us. And I know you can't see it in the camera because it's too far away. But it is a recreation of the cover from um, Nirvana Nevermind. Sort of, yeah. Done in included with the uh, coffee beans. Anatomically correct coffee beans. Yes, the yeah. anatomically correct coffee bean. Uh, that is not a tail. Just one bean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you Google it, you'll see what I'm talking about. That's right. Um, <laughs> and do you have any other? Do we have any other drinks here tonight, Dave? I see a few Sierra Nevadas spread around. Which yeah, so Sierra Nevada, one of the first craft breweries uh, in the nation. 
Uh, and, uh, of course, there's probably five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of those. But at the time, one, <laughs> one of the only earlier craft breweries that came out with a bunch of different kinds of flavors and styles that weren't afraid to get their hands dirty, uh, they probably cleaned them, I would hope, before doing the brewing process. But at, at some point, you know, understand what the uh, analogy I'm, I'm making is. Ideally, they clean their hands, yes. <laughs> or like some people had dirty hands, but not the people that were brewing. Maybe they know. get the yeast from their dirty hands. Well, that's how they first there, created Crazy Beer. There is that uh, beer that comes from the yeast of the brewer's beard. Yes. And uh, that seems pretty gross, but I've had it. It's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. It doesn't taste like beard, I don't think. Um, I don't know what beard tastes like. Okay. Yeah. Even when I had a bigger beard, I wasn't the kind to like munch on it. I mean, it's, you know? it's easy. Unless there's like hot a... wings in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, did I just have sausage pizza? Because uh, I, I feel Whenever something. Whenever you drink like very sloppily. <laughs> Keep your lip in there. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just a little bit extra for later. As long as you clean just it Just ask off. Ron Swanson. At some point. Well, Ron uh, occasionally has a clean-shaven face nowadays, which is impossible to recognize him right away. Yes. There's, a, there's like a three-second. Well, that's second. Nick. But Ron likes eating little bits of uh, steak out of his beard days later. You're right. his mustache. I don't know if Ron has... Uh, has shaved the mustache. I'm not sure. Is there an episode where he's clean shaven? There's a mustache where he's missing the middle of his mustache. There's a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> Is that one episode with the mustache where he had the mustache? You know the one where he has the mustache? And that and mustache they talk about his mustache. was missing some mustache. <laughs> yes. Got it. Okay. Uh, so we want to talk about the run-pass ratio, and what we're talking about essentially is a an offense as a whole, their ratio of run pay, run plays to pass plays. Um, so we're basing this uh, on statistics through week four from FF Today. They have the run-pass ratios for 2022. Um, and, you know, it'll go by percentages. And a lot of teams uh, have a big variance in how many plays they're running, so that has a lot to do with it. Like, for example, the Bears have only run 51 plays a game, whereas the Arizona Cardinals are running 71 plays a game. So uh, that right there is going to have a huge effect on – uh, these numbers, but we will start with the Bears themselves. Um, so, um, the Bears are running the ball more than any other team in the league. They're tied for the fewest plays per game in the league, so um, we can't really exploit this imbalance all that much because they're just not on offense enough in order to do that. 50 plays a game is not a lot. Um, what we do know for sure are two things. One, that this imbalance and this Small amount of plays per game can't really last forever. They are going to eventually have to throw the ball. Uh, the Bears run the ball 10% more than the next highest team on the run-heavy side. Uh, they're at a 67-33 split, which is just crazy. The next highest team are um, Carolina Panthers, who run the ball. No, sorry. The Atlanta Falcons, who run the ball 57.2% of the time. So mm-hmm. they, the Bears just run the ball an absurd amount more than every other team in the league. So Justin Fields, he only has one game with double-digit completions, and that's 11. So he's bound to throw the ball more, if only because like he is like in he's he's below his floor at the moment. I know that sort of defies the definition of the term, but he is really, really, you know, just started out super slow in the passing game. Uh, they can't really go less than this, and I don't, it's I don't unlikely know. <laughs> they might try. The Bears are always impressive in the wrong ways. 
um, uh, people were calling this a prehistoric offense, right? Mm. So maybe we're traveling back through time. Uh, if we go back far enough, we could actually get to the point where there wasn't a forward pass. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. What was that, Eberflu who invented it or something like that? I forget I forget his name exactly. But at some point in, in the game of football, there actually wasn't a forward pass. That's the pass. name of the Bears coach now, Eberflus. Uh, so Is that he, the joke? He didn't invent the forward <laughs> pass, did he? No, he certainly didn't. <laughs> he's just Not if he's not willing to use it in a time when they do pass. He's discovered it from like a, a very dusty old box in his attic. It's like... He read about the pass on a cave wall, yeah, and that's all they're you know that's all they've figured out so far. Mm-hmm. So Justin Fields is bound to throw the ball more eventually. Eh. Until then, he's a sit in all formats, including the two quarterback leagues, or a cut, which we'll talk about later. Which we'll talk about later. Uh, but not spoilers. a start. Not a start. <laughs> Never a start. So you sit him. You sit any other pass catcher on the Bears. He has Justin Fields the same number of rushes and pass completions this season. That is a ridiculously depressing stat if you're a Bears fan. The Bears are running the ball this much because their offense is essentially anemic. They're really bad at what they do. The second thing here we know is that there's only one fantasy player worth starting on the Bears. That is Khalil Herbert for right now. Specifically, we're talking week five and the near future. Obviously, when David Montgomery comes back, that's going to provide some cloudiness, some murkiness. The only silver lining we can take from this super run-heavy offense is that when we see this imbalance, we know that it's probably going to be safe to start even the backup running back. Sometimes you're worried about starting a backup running back. In this case, we know that you know Khalil Herbert's fine. He's going to get the ball so much, and he's reasonably productive with it. Yeah, so the lead, the lead rusher uh, and sometimes the backup rusher on a team like this, uh, who we've also seen kind of shades of Seahawks uh, and the Cleveland Browns offense, uh, the only difference was those offenses still knew how to throw the ball, and so they won some of their games. Exactly. If the Bears are 2-2, two and two, which is absurd. I mean, there's variables. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they could have lost all their games this season. Yeah. But yes, you're so, right. So, yeah, right now, Khalil Herbert's the only fantasy-worthy player, and when David Montgomery does come back, um, this is all going to kind of be thrown into chaos because what are they going to do, run the ball more? I don't think so. I don't know that they can. And... If Khalil Herbert is playing well, then they may end up splitting time a little bit. It's going to just be hard to uh, determine that you have a surefire starter on the team uh, in an offense that's quite this bad. So uh, a little bit of general analysis that I you know, wanted to get through before we go on to other teams is that this run-pass thing isn't a hard rule, and it can generally be interpreted um, that running the ball too much is a sign of a bad offense. However... Um, only three of the teams that run the ball more than 50% of the time are in the top 10 scoring. So, like, you know, it's generally thought of, I think, that, you know, you have to have a good running game in order to have a good offense. But really, teams don't run the ball that much. You need to have an effective running game, but you can't use it too much because then you're not passing enough. And you need to pass the ball in order to, you know, score enough points to win in this league. So only three of those teams that run the ball more than 50% of the time are in the top 10 scoring. Um so you need to be good to have the you need to be you need to have a good running game to be good, but you need to be good enough to not use it too much. There's too many goods in that sentence. Is it made more sense? I mean, it <laughs> it looks really good on the page, Dave. It really does, and it's a tongue twister when I say it out loud. But but I agree with your sentiment. Yeah. 
Right. They just have to be good enough to not use it that often. So the most balanced team, the one closest to the 50-50 split, is the Tennessee Titans. They run the ball 50.7% of the time and 49.3% of the time. And there's only six teams that run the ball more than they do. So this is clearly a passing league. There's only seven teams that run the ball more than they pass the ball. So let's take a look at the best offense in the league before we go back to teams that are in a really big imbalance. And by best, you, you mean highest scoring. Most points scored this season. Yeah. That is the Detroit Lions. Not who I expected after four weeks, but um, they've done really good. They actually, uh, they're, they're a team that I talked about in my column, statistically insignificant this week. They have scored 35 and 45 points in losses this year. So they have the best offense and the worst defense. And that's a recipe for, you know, all kinds of uh, anxiety, I'm sure, when you're a Lions fan. Mm-hmm. So. The Detroit Lions, who have scored 140 points in four games only, are right smack in the middle of the pack when it comes to run the run-pass split. I'm not saying that they're at the 50-50 mark. They actually run the ball 42.4% of the time. They pass the ball 57.6% of the time. What I'm saying is they found the best balance when it comes to the NFL. They're 16th in run percentage and 17th in pass percentage. So they've they're they're no more you know. They're right in the middle there, which means that it's very hard to predict what they will do compared to other teams. Um, The second-best offense in the league, the Kansas City Chiefs, they're just two spots away from the Lions, leaning a little bit heavier towards the pass. So both teams have found the sweet spot in the run-to-pass ratio uh, that keeps offenses honest and keeps their team scoring points. Um, They're the only two teams in the league that are scoring over 30 points a game, and I think that that like really good balance of run to pass is one of the reasons why they're able to score so many points. That's how you keep a defense honest. You don't just say, Oh, it's gotta be 50 50 because defenses know that, um, you know, you should be throwing the ball more than you're passing the ball. And some of this is easier for teams that are winning because if you're winning, you can control the game as opposed to teams that are losing who have to fall back on on the higher pass rating, for example. Sure. Well, I mean, just look at those two teams. The the Chiefs are winning, and the Lions are losing, and the Lions are playing some catch-up, but they're able to sort of keep it even still. Still still successfully running the ball. Yes. Scoring points. Right. And, you know, I think that's it's very important to keep that part of it balanced – um, it's one of the indicators that they're a very good team. There's probably a few really bad teams right in the middle there. Um, but, you know, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, 42.9, 57.1. Very close to the Detroit split. Uh, and they certainly don't have the same kind of offense. Um, they're in, like, the bottom 10 for scoring points. So, a team that has an imbalance on the other side, the New York Jets. They run the ball only 30.8% of the time. They're passing the ball 69.2% of the time. And they have the biggest imbalance in the league um, on either side. So they throw the ball 4% more than any other team in the league. Despite this imbalance, they're in much better shape than the Bears. They're in the middle of the pack when it comes to scoring points, 18th. They have the 8th most yards from scrimmage in the league. So even though they're imbalanced, they're moving the ball a lot since their imbalance comes from the pass instead of the run. So, passing plays kind of just rack up more stats. That's a fact. The Jets have 5.5 net yards per attempt, uh, and that's only 24th in the league. That's a, uh, on the passing side. And it's still a lot better than the Bears, who are running the ball at a 5.2 yards per attempt uh, clip, which is fourth in the league. So, even though the Jets are really bad at their efficiency in passing, 
they are benefiting a lot more from their imbalance than the Bears are, who are very efficient when it comes to running the ball. You know, running just doesn't pay off in this league. It it it, it seems like it should. It feels like the tradi- the um, the traditional wisdom said that you know you should run the ball a lot to have a good offense, but uh, certainly if you run the ball too much, you know. You, you know, even if you can run it effectively, it's not going to help you win the game. Yeah, it's really run the ball enough uh, so that you can start to have play action plays uh, where um, the the uh, defensive formation is going to believe the run. Yes. Uh, so it opens up the field, and and so that's what we were talking about last week with um, with Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos offense is that they're not doing that enough, and so no one believes that they're actually going to uh, run the ball because they're not. Right, and we'll see them tomorrow night. Maybe they'll try it a little bit more, but they've got new running. You know, they've got a whole different running back group almost. They'll have Melvin Gordon, uh, and then they just signed Latavius Murray. So who knows what's going to happen with them now that Javante Williams is gone? And Mike Boone. That if we had a longer show, I think Mike Boone is a is a real possibility to to soak up a lot of those. We targets. liked Mike Boone back when he was on the Vikings. Sure, I remember like a late season, you know, Mike Boone hype. But this is Melvin Gordon's uh, uh, squad to lead for the uh, foreseeable future. It is indeed. Um, So now that we've established that passing the ball is intrinsically more valuable than running the ball, even when you're at one of the extremes, what sort of fantasy insights can we glean from the Jets? They have a ton of completions, the second highest number of receptions in the league. They're tied for third because two teams are tied for first. So there's lots of value there in PPR formats. They have players that are startable flex players players at the end of your starting rotation probably but they don't have any really good players because they spread the ball around a ton they have six players with at least 15 receptions and that's only through four games their leading pass catcher tyler conklin has 21 catches and is tied for 21st in receptions you know me i like when numbers line up like that for no damn reason (laughs) so um does that does that help you win fantasy games no it helps me uh (laughs) you know, have fun when I write things like this. Fair. (laughs) Um, So the Jets like to spread it around so much. They have four players who have thrown pass completions already this season. Their kicker has thrown a pass completion and one of their wide receivers. And, of course, they've started two different quarterbacks already. So I would say that if the Jets had fewer offensive players to choose from, then one or two of them could really stand out in fantasy football. So as it stands, the Jets only have one player who's in the top 10 of points at his position. That's Tyler Conklin, who is currently the 10th, you know, tight end 10. Tight end 10. Oh, I can't say that. <laughs> um, so there are other high watermarks. Brees Hall at running back, Garrett Wilson at wide receiver. Both of them are at 19 of their respective position. So the 19th best running back is a guy who, yeah, you're going to start, but you're not going to be very happy with. Uh, same with the 19th best wide receiver. Maybe you'll be a little bit happier with the 19th best wide receiver. So perhaps the most accurate conclusion we can draw from, you know, the Bears and the Jets is it's not a good idea to have fantasy players on any team that's on the extreme end of the run-pass split because that's just an imbalanced team where the defenses uh, are going to predict it more often than any other. You know, it's not that, like, the defenses have to think, oh, you know, you're going to run the ball, you know, two-thirds of the time and pass the ball one-third of the time. They're going to think, you're going to run the ball more than anyone else, so I'm going to play the run no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, I, th- that seems to be more of the attitude and, like, what they're probably going with. 
So at least the Jets are running 70 plays per game, and they have some fantasy value based on their expected volume. Uh, but with no studs to be seen, you can't really count on anybody in the Jets. So that huge passing imbalance isn't benefiting anyone in a great fantasy way. And that's a shame because it'd be nice if like you could see a team throwing the ball so much that they had three fantasy wide receivers that were worth owning. But there's like one, and that's, you know, it's ridiculous because they spread the ball around so much because they don't have any studs on that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got any f- Jets on your fantasy teams, Dave? Um, so I, I, uh, I like Brees Hall, one of the cuts, uh, on, on my list later this, um, this evening we'll be talking about, um, I don't have him on the list actually, but, uh, let's say approaching being cut off of teams that are 10 to 12, uh, uh, deep is, is Michael, um, what is his last name? Uh, the former running back uh, still has a bunch of carries, but Brees Hall's come in and kind of taken his job away. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I actually like the guy it's a lot. It's on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> guy at work was asking me about him today. It's uh, Michael Carter. Yeah, so Michael Carter is uh, is a good running back, but but having drafted Brees Hall so high, etc., uh, and I think that Brees Hall looks really good, then we're not going to see less and less of Carter, more of, of him being a backup to that position as opposed to being a 1B kind of guy. Yeah. Generally, teams have the backup who doesn't get very many carries, like a Zach Moss to Devin Singletary, um, as opposed to a, uh, um, a 1A, 1B thunder and lightning kind of situation kind of split yeah um taking us back to the days of jamal charles and uh and like thomas jones uh where it was just frustrating all the time oh that was a good split um i also like elijah moore and i think he'll do better and better especially as the offense develops because with joe flacco um bowing back down allowing for their uh recently drafted quarterback to to actually try to um propel himself to uh to some kind of height (laughs) Um, I think that that squad could do pretty well. I saw a stat earlier uh, this week saying that the the top, um, you can't quote me on it, you could, but I don't know the exact thing. Oh, I will. (laughs) It was something like the the top, uh, or three out of the top five rookies in the NFL right now are, are all in the Jets, something like that. They do have a lot of rookies. Tyler Conklin is one of them. Yeah, so Conklin, Hall, and another (coughs) one. Um, So they've done very, very well with uh, all the draft picks that they've recently gotten uh, offensively, which is not always what happens. Take a look at the Browns, who draft first-round draft picks all day long and only succeed with a couple. High first-round draft picks, too, yeah. Yeah. Um, So So, Conklin, you know, a guy who's only owned in 52% of Flea Ficker League still. He's the 10th tight end on the year. He has scored at least six points in every game, and yep. that's in half PPR scoring. So that's great, um, and and something that should continue to uh, have that good trajectory. Um, like you said, when we talk about the Jets and where they are in that run-pass ratio, uh, you've got a pass uh, percentage of 69.2%, really nice, and, uh, and that pass percentage should continue to make a lot of those players the, and those rookies um, – uh, very playable on, on teams that have a deep bench. Yeah. Um, Leagues that have a deep bench. <laughs> sure. So the uh, Buffalo Bills are a team that is very um, very heavy towards the pass side, which you may have expected with a quarterback like Josh Allen. They run the ball 36.3% of the time. They pass the ball 63.7% of the time. So even though they are like the fifth heaviest in the pass, or sixth heaviest in the pass 
Um, they are way more balanced than like the Jets. So they are the team, the example I'm using that is an unbalanced team and are performing well. The Bills are fifth in the league with total points, 114, and they're sixth when it comes to having a pass-heavy offense. The Bills are a very good, talented team, and the previous two are not. That's the, you know, I think that has a lot more to do with this, to be pretty honest. I'm not trying to say that these stats mean everything. I think that the talent on the team means more than that. Um, But, you know, this is something that we're trying to analyze and figure out what kind of conclusions we can draw. So take a look at where a few of the stats can make a world of difference. So we talked about the net yards per attempt earlier. The Bills are 6.7 net yards per passing attempt, uh, and they're able to squeeze more fantasy points out of their passing game than compared to the Jets. And the Jets threw, threw the ball 23 more times. And they actually have two fewer completions as well. So they're running the ball, or they're throwing the ball a lot, but they're not as effective. The Bills, meanwhile, are incredibly effective at throwing the ball, and it makes a world of difference. Um, It's not about how much you do the thing, it's about how well you do it. So the Bills are also very efficient when it comes to running the ball, and it's probably because defenses have to defend the pass so much with them. They're gaining 4.8 yards per attempt. That's 11th best in the league. And that 4.8 number is not that far behind the Bears, who were at 5.2. So, the best runner on the Bills is Josh Allen. This ruins any chance you had at hoping for a good fantasy running back on the team. There's, um, uh, Devin Singletary is a fair fantasy quarterback, or running back. He's not a good one. Um, He is the RB26 on the year, so... You know, a flex option at best for the most part. You may start utilizing him now that bye weeks are coming into play. And, you know, they'll be basically for the rest of the season. I think bye weeks go through week 14 this year. Um, There may be a week off in there. I'm not certain about that. That's happened in years past. But week 14 will be a bye week for some teams this year, which is also the last week of the fantasy regular season. Mm -hmm. So that can be very difficult to have players not playing uh, on purpose in the the you know a game that perhaps is essentially a playoff game where you have to win and get in <sighs> sorry i really like this beer i just had to take a moment to enjoy it and appreciate it mm-hmm. um so what they do have on the buffalo bills offense is josh allen he's the quarterback too he's a running back and a quarterback uh kind of like lamar jackson i know josh allen uh is only a couple of yards away from leading his team in rushing yards, and he has two rushing touchdowns already this year. Stephon Diggs is the WR2 on the year. So it's clear that they're more, since they're more focused on the pass and the pass offense is more focused on one player, Stephon Diggs, um, it's netting a ton of fantasy points. Because they're able to focus rather than uh, just throw the ball all over the place, they're more efficient, and they're scoring a lot more fantasy points. So what sort of conclusions can we draw overall? You know, it's not going to help being the team that runs the most or passes the most if you don't have the right players to exploit it. So you need your Stefan Diggs. You can't be relying on a Khalil Herbert, that kind of thing. Chances are you're going to be forced into these situations because you're a bad team. The Jets, the Bears, um, what other teams are right there? Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, the you know um, the Rams in Minnesota are both throwing the ball an awful lot, and they're not great. 
right now. The Rams have uh, definitely got a Super Bowl hangover, to say the least. <laughs> They're only good every other year, I'm pretty sure, is what happens. Okay, that's fine. Are they going to be 7-9 and? Well, they can't be seven and nine anymore. <laughs> but, you know, what's the new equivalent, 8-9? 8-9. 7-10? 7-10 is bad. 7-10 sounds so much worse than 7-9. and nine. So, secondly... It's a lot. It's best to be middle of the pack regarding the split. Somewhere around a 42% run, 58% pass ratio. That seems to be that sweet spot, at least this season. Um, and that is where these teams are finding the most offensive success. Third, you need to have all, for, all pro players uh, to be a really predictable offense and still succeed. So, none of these teams that are really running the ball a lot have any all pro running backs. They just don't have it, and they're not succeeding because of that. The The one team that's running the ball an awful lot and doing well are the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think that they're running the ball a lot because they have a rushing quarterback, which is almost an exception to this rule rather than someone who is, um, you know, if they didn't have that, then they would be they would have a much different run-pass ratio. It would probably be a lot more close to the teams that are playing well, like the Lions and the Chiefs. Well, the offenses that are playing well. Excuse me, I don't mean to give the Lions too much credit here. <laughs> um, so, if you do not have these good all-pro players, you're going to struggle to find fantasy success when you're a predictable offense. So, as much as we want our players to dominate in the touches or carries category, an average player, anybody who's not like at the top of their position, is going to be more likely to, success, to excel on a balanced team. So, yes, you want your running back to be getting all the carries in a game, but... If they're getting all the carries in a game on a team that's not very good or they're just not quite good enough for it, they're not going to be a good player. You're much better off looking for players that are on a balanced offense because that offense is going to be better as a whole. And an offense that scores points will score touchdowns, and that is where you're going to get your big fantasy um, numbers from. So, you know, I think that when you look at the pass-run ratio, you need to look not at a 50-50 split, but you need to look at where the middle of the league is. And that's where you're going to find the most success. Yeah, well, great analysis. What's interesting is if, if you're looking at that and saying, uh, well, what, what do I do with this information, right? In the middle of a season, uh, you can take a look at those teams with the ideal run-pass ratio and try to acquire players from that team, uh, hoping that, that they continue to uh, to succeed with that same or similar ratio going forward, which is uh, equivalent in Jason's opinion and analysis to a greater chance of success. Yeah. Um, also, you can look at teams historically uh, if they're because we haven't done this research specifically, uh, but if there is a team that historically has that kind of ratio, then it could be a team that you look at in general moving forward. If there's not a lot of movement or change in the team management and the composition uh, of players. Um, to draft from those teams specifically because, again, they have a higher uh, quotient or percent uh, ch chance of success. So uh, very, uh, very informative. Thank you for putting that together. And yeah. we have a question from the chat room. This is a trade question. Okay. It's a 12-team PPR league. And the question is, uh, if, if he's giving Elvin Kamara and Drake London to another team and receiving Tony Pollard, Michael Pittman, and Chris Olave – uh, is that a good trade for him? He has uh, Keenan Allen, Hollywood Brown, Tyler Lockett, Garrett Wilson as his wide receivers, and Austin Eckler, Travis Etienne, Khalil Herbert, and Rashad White as his running backs. 
Um, and so what's your opinion on that trade? Oh, I pulled the trigger on that trade. Uh, I think that you're definitely upgrading your receiver group um, without too much of a um, detriment to the already stacked running back room that you have. You know, having Austin Eckler there, you know, leading the way um, is very nice. And then you've got Etienne there. You've got Khalil Herbert to start over the next couple weeks still. I, I would pull the trigger on that trade. Even though you're doing a two for three, uh, and I normally don't like being on the side of the uh, team that's getting more players back because obviously you're going to have to cut someone just to make the trade happen. And uh, you're, in theory, not getting as much value back for the players you're giving up. You know, Kamara not been playing that much, um, but Drake London has been doing really well. But he's on the team that throws the ball the second uh, least amount of times in the league. So um, there are reasons to go ahead and pass on Drake London if you can get some good value for him. So I hesitate to trade away Elvin Kamara because you're trade you're trading him at the low point of the year. That is a good point. Uh, because I do think he'll come back and succeed. However, uh, I, I agree with Jason that the winner of this trade, at least currently with speaking about value, uh, would be the team that gets the three players. Although it is unfortunate to have to drop someone, I'm assuming that in your 12-team league, there's probably someone on the squad that you can drop with little to no uh, issue for your for yourself. And uh, um, I like Tony Pollard as kind of a throw-in here. Uh, you lose value at the running back position. You gain it in the wide receiver position. So if you're, if you're comfortable with the depth that you have at the running back position, then I say go for it. Because I would trade Alvin Kamara and London for Olave and Pittman straight up on a team that doesn't need running back help. Uh, I yeah. don't. I don't necessarily think that Pollard even needs to be in there. So what I'm saying to you is that's just a throw-in great depth piece for your running backs. Um, keep in mind that Eckler is like the 13th running back overall right now. Etienne's like the 35th. You know, so those guys have a great chance of doing well going forward. But your running back squad is not stacked. I would. I would not say that. You know, you got guys like Rashad White, which have has been doing better, especially in Week Four. But he's certainly not a piece that um, is outstanding or currently in the top 20 or anything. So uh, you're getting rid of an Alvin Kamara that could finish top 10 at the end of the year. You just have to realize that you're skewing wide receiver and losing a little bit of value at the running back position. Yeah, I mean, Eckler did have a huge game last week, and he's now the RB5 on the year. But, um, you know, that has to continue for him to, to be called a stud and to lead your running back room. Uh, PPR, yes. So a lot, a lot of receptions. Sure. Right. Yeah, he had, I mean, he had 31 points. But it was 31.9. All, it was like all receptions, wasn't it? Six for 49. He scored two. T- he scored three touchdowns total. Okay. So it was mostly touchdowns. Fair enough. But uh, I, I have Eckler on some squads, and uh, yeah, last week was a, was a doozy. Well, I had said last week, make sure you start, and not that you weren't going to start Eckler, but make sure you start your running backs against Houston because they're the worst against the – uh, against the run in the league. Yeah, good to know. All right. Shall we have a, a little sip of something to drink before we talk about Jay Cutler? All right, cheers. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> Do remember if you have any questions, uh, lineup questions, trade questions, questions about uh, Ron Swanson's mustache or. Uh, uh, who has the uh, the highest run-to-pass ratio in the NFL over the past two weeks. Uh, Jason and uh, and me are your people to ask. 
you can get to us most quickly uh, on uh, uh, Twitter at Drink5. Just send us a direct message. Other places you can uh, you can get in touch with us include email David Drink5 or Jason at Drink5, or commenting on our articles and other articles from staff writers at Drink5.com. And as Jason said, uh, something that we have called sometimes in the past the J cut list. <laughs> I think I I want to research and figure out some some. We can get a better name. That's interesting fine. names, but we will have to talk about a Bears quarterback to start this one. You know, we live in the Chicago area, and so uh, the the Bears are just something that's sort of in the air. Um, but this year, Justin Fields is someone who um, was was certainly a hot topic in more than just the Chicago area. Because he is that that uh, conglomerate, uh, the amalgamate of things that you're looking for in a fantasy quarterback, at least in theory, someone who can pass the ball and also has the rushing ability to put a bunch of points on the ground. Yep. And the question that Bears fans and all fantasy football fallers looking for uh, one more rushing quarterback to add to their roster in the preseason, we're all asking was whether or not Matt Nagy's departure and then the hiring um, and... Uh, um, um, career moving forward of the offensive coordinator Luke Getze if his play calling could fashion fields into an every week start and it looks like the answer so far is a no now Jason did he did go through a couple of things saying that you know this was below um, his floor and that he could move up and he's being nice uh, you know uh, you have a team like this like the Bears that are really getting into things at this level and not passing the ball this is a conscious decision that they're making as a team uh, it may even be literally tanking um, because they're looking for more first round draft picks and I, I mean I'm not one to, to speak on uh, how how this franchise is you know, maybe playing a little bit with the rest of the league. And yes, they are two and two granted, but not allowing your quarterback to throw the ball in a passing league seems like a, a mortal sin for, uh, for coaches in the NFL. The imbalance is so much higher than any other team that um, I can't say that you're just completely ridiculous. Like that could very well be, I mean, they want to move stadiums and they're going to need a good team when they move yeah so perhaps you start laying the ground for work for let's aim for drafting a good team now and so that when it's time to ask the public for money the team's playing a little bit better when it's time to move to a new stadium they've established a season or two of winning stuff like that and and fields passing completions have trended up from seven to eight to eleven. I don't think that that's an actual trend that we should pay attention to, <laughs> unless that continues to rise over the next couple of games. Um, I, I think you're looking at the number of completions going up, sure, but remember that there hasn't been an offensive passing touchdown uh, since week one. So that's three weeks completely barren of any touchdowns that were thrown from the hand of Justin Fields or any other. Uh, receiver, Bears running player. back, or Chicago Bear that happens to throw footballs. Oh. And that's just a horrible stat. So at this point, not going to happen. Rushing ability does not make up for it. He's the number 31 quarterback overall this year. He should not be uh, being played in any league whatsoever uh, with the exception of, of some, some leagues with very odd rules. For example, I'm, I'm in a league, um, a very old league, that allows you to play uh, two super flex positions. And in that case, uh, having a player that does score ten or twelve points in in a in a game might be worth the risk. Um, however, uh, there are probably other players that you could start even in that situation. 
that have a better average score than Justin Fields. Yeah, I don't know that he's averaging. He's averaging ten point four points a week. Yeah, so you could maybe find That's some tough. winners. Yeah, uh, but it it's just it's it's easier to start quarterbacks in those positions. Well, look, if you're starting thirty quarterbacks in the league, then it's certainly possible that the thirty first is going to sit anyways. <laughs> so congratulations, QB thirty one. I don't think it's going to trend up. I think this is just a horrible, slow-moving vehicle that we're going to be watching all the time because we happen to live, uh, you know, in a in a certain radius of the city. Unfortunately, yes, that's true. Uh, other other quarterbacks, and these are to be clear, players that you should cut in uh, ten or twelve team leagues. Now, if you're in a fourteen team league, a sixteen team league, a super deep league that has fourteen player benches. Obviously, uh, it's going to be hard for you to take advice from most fantasy pundits because we're not really uh, taking account of your crazy rules. That's uh, true. And and go for it. I love seeing leagues that are just uh, out of the box. That's fine. But this is not necessarily for you, or maybe it is for your other league that you're you need in. To, you need to translate it into your own yeah. fantasy language. So other quarterbacks that should be cut, and uh, I, I'll mention the the percent rostered in, in Flea Flicker leagues as well. Justin Fields, sixty seven percent. I'm going to highlight those quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends on my list that are the most rostered out of the list that I have, and then we'll post this list up on Drink5.com as well for you to look at later. Uh, Ryan Tannehill is another cut that I have on my list, sixty six percent rostered still, uh, not worthy of of playing right now. Uh, Jameis Winston, 67% rostered still, and I understand why. He is a guy who throws the ball with reckless abandon, and when he does play, uh, he can generally get into that top 15. But let's talk about him a little bit. First of all, multiple back fractures uh, that he incurred a couple of weeks ago. He was out last week, and Andy Dalton came in, did a serviceable job as Andy Dalton always does. Yeah, he's right around the Andy Dalton line, I would say. (laughs) Uh, Should... Should we wait on Winston and keeping him rostered on the bench? Uh, Through his three starts this year, he was the QB 15, putting up an average of 16.31 points per game. Not bad, not enough uh, to take up an extra roster spot in one quarterback leagues. So I think he should have been dropped last week when when it was made clear that he wasn't going to play. But there is still time to cut your losses and use that extra spot for a speculative pickup or a trending waiver pickup. Look at guys like Geno Smith that are still only owned in 45% of leagues. Kenny Pickett even is a good speculative pickup. He had two rushing touchdowns last week uh, on a Pittsburgh Steelers offense with very good offensive stars on it. It's possible that, that he could be good, but he's certainly better than an injured and not playing Jameis Winston. Did you know that uh, Kenny Pickett is the first quarterback in NFL history to score two rushing touchdowns in his first game? No, that's neat, though. You would think that another uh, more rushing uh, quarterback would have been the guy. Sure, but in his very first game. (laughs) Well, he got some opportunities because of Fitzpatrick, etc., to be like right there on the goal line. That's true. But, But I'll take it as a win for Pickett. Sure. Also, he happens to really like George Pickens. Uh, and so we're going to Pickens. We're going to hear Pickett to Pickens more than I want to. It rolls off the tongue pretty well. It's all right. <laughs> uh, Marcus Marietta, forty percent, forty percent owned and needs to be uh, scraped from rosters. Atlanta is simply not a good team. Here's a guy who can't even throw the ball to the all-star tight end Kyle Pitts, just because I, I have no idea why. Uh, <laughs> it makes no sense at all. Uh, he's still a guy that does get some rushing yards as well, but uh, should be cut from your squads. Now, So three of the quarterbacks you said to cut are on teams that run the ball more than they pass it. Well, there you go. I 
I like that, um, you know, some of the things that we do, I don't think we've really gotten into in the past couple of years talking about this ratio and what it might mean. Yeah. Uh, so another thing we should revisit in a couple of weeks, player trends also run pass ratio to see if things uh, have changed. If the best teams are still in the middle of the pack there, I'd be very interested to know that. And then you're definitely able to target those teams for the players that you're looking for. Yeah. Or you can say, I want to trade a couple players, like um, I think his name was T, uh, um, sent us a, uh, a trade evaluation in the chat uh, on YouTube. And for him, if we were to look at those players, here's the teams that you're giving up players from. Here's the teams that you're receiving players from. Are those teams players that we think will, according to the ratio, still be good throughout the year on a um, on an average game-to-game basis? Yeah, and I mean, you can look at maybe teams that aren't quite so obvious, uh, like Cincinnati, who is running the ball, who has that, that same good split, and they're running a lot of plays, and maybe avoid a team like Carolina, who, even though they have that really good sweet spot, they're only running 51 plays a game. They're just not getting enough opportunities. Yeah. Uh, moving to the running back position, so we have Darrell Williams, thirty-six percent owned and shouldn't be on teams. Uh, I don't, I don't go into detail on all these players, but we certainly can if anybody wants to. So uh, just speak up in the chat room or send us a message if you're listening to this on the podcast later. No, you told me to cut him before the show started, so I'm gonna listen. Well, <laughs> it's a, it's one of those specialty cases in the league, but I'm certainly not gonna start him. Well, uh, the, I mean, the case uh, on that particular team is just the fact that the Arizona Cardinals have a bunch of running backs, and, and Darrell Williams was supposed to be the guy who was uh, brought in to be the backup to Connor uh, and get a whole bunch of those touches, and it doesn't really seem to be the case. Um, and so I, I don't see that developing into a good situation <laughs> for, uh, for people that roster that player. Uh, by the way, I'm going to try to uh, conscientiously switch uh, my terminology when I say things like um, player is owned by to player is rostered by. And and nobody has to follow my lead, but I'm going to try to do that. I like that. I just don't really like the terminology anymore. Uh, James Cook, 65% owned, <laughs> rostered, as it, I just it's said. It's not, you know... I, I have it's take in the past a year for me, yeah. also, you know, made uh, conscious efforts to try to say other things. I don't know what I say on a regular basis now. You're not aware of the things that come out of your mouth. I'm not at all aware of the things that come out of my mouth. Well, I I said that and immediately flubbed it up. See words, is, speak words. Sometimes they match up. Sometimes they don't. Over the season, I'm going to try to 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 change that uh, uh, terminology just because I don't think it rolls off the tongue very well. Um. So James Cook, rostered in 65% of, of Flea Flicker Leagues. Now, Cook, of course, is the rookie that was drafted by the Buffalo Bills. A lot of hype going into um, into the season here. Uh, Cook is certainly some part of the future of the Bills running game. And Devin Singletary, historically, has never shouldered the whole offensive load. There's always been other people in the backfield. Um, Jason was mentioning earlier how the Bills aren't running the ball a whole lot. That's certainly true. Uh, but Singletary has rushed between 150 and 190 uh, attempts or carries in a game since being drafted by the Bills in 2019. Singletary is still the go-to guy in that backfield. He's trended up all the way to an 88% snap share last week against the Ravens. 88% of snaps were Devin Singletary. Most of Cook's carries have come at the end of the game when the Bills have put away the contest. So case in point, week two, Titans blowout 41 to 7 is the only game that James Cook has had one, more than one carry 
in in that <laughs> Buffalo Bills backfield. And so he is just unrosterable at this point. He certainly might be a good uh, 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 piece in your dynasty team, but not on a redraft league. Correct. And uh, Zach Moss is still the RB2 in Buffalo. Uh, another interesting stat about Devin Singletary, and, and take this however you want, but when we look at his receiving targets this year, and again, going back to what you said about uh, Buffalo being more of a pass-happy team than a running one, it doesn't mean that those running backs aren't involved in the passing game. So Devin Singletary, over the past three years, had receptions uh, totals of 40, 38, and 29, going from uh, 2021 to 2019. So far, over four games, he has 17 receptions for 141 yards. Yeah. So if that carries on in anywhere near the capacity that it currently is, he's going to blow away his record uh, of receiving um, of receptions and yardage in, uh, in his overall statistics. So throughout his career, he averaged 2.4 receptions per game. This year, he has 4.3. Right. So uh, it's also 8.3 um, uh, YPC for uh, uh, for receiving, and, yeah. and that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. So I don't think that they're going to be looking to Cook unless something happens. He's already caught nine first down passes, um, which means that they're going to him a lot more on third down. In his career, he has all his his season high is 11. So he's going to blow that away maybe next week. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's pretty great. And uh, and so I don't think James Cook is anyone uh, that you should keep on your roster, and I'm just giving you the stats to make sure you get rid of him. Uh, like I said, he's already uh, still owned in 65% of leagues, um, pretty much by name and reputation as a, uh, as a highly hyped-up rookie. Uh, as we always see, there will be rookies that succeed, but the majority of the rookies that people are really interested in grabbing are not really worth starting at all. And, and you shouldn't be the guy who is grabbing up all the rookies because that is not a team that you want to be starting from week to week. Right. Uh, Mark Ingram, 46% owned, and Rex Burkhead, 36% owned. Both guys that you don't want to cut. You do not want uh, – or sorry, rostered. I will try my best uh, as much as I can here. Uh, <laughs> Ingram and Burkhead, not guys you want to roster on your squad. Uh, and they are, are definitely people that were, were depth pieces um, that – are handcuffs uh, or um, or people that you were looking to start in case of emergency. But as uh, our contributor, uh, Sean Foss, who writes the Rookie Report on a regular basis for Drink5.com, uh, recently tweeted out uh, in, in this big conversation that, that was going on on Twitter, uh, it seems like there's always such an effort and a focus on getting those handcuff guys um, whenever someone goes down. And it's never a good idea to get the handcuff. It's always a better idea to just get the next best player that's available in the NFL. Yeah, I feel like we say this every year, especially around draft time. It's like, don't draft handcuffs, draft the next best available player. Yeah, like if Christian McCaffrey goes down, right, there's there's guys on that team like Chuba Hubbard and uh, I forget the uh, the other guy that's there right now. But you don't want those backups for Christian McCaffrey. Last year, Chuba was the direct backup, and he didn't play extremely well. He certainly didn't play as well uh, from game to game as it would have uh, been for your team if you had just picked up the best uh, replacement player available on the waiver wire. Deonta Foreman is the other backup there. Foreman, yeah. But those guys aren't going to suddenly score 20 points a game. That's just not going to happen. No, there's like maybe one or two cases in the league where that will be true. All right, moving on to wide receivers. We have Greg Dortch, uh, a cool... Uh, 
cool name Greg Dorch that's popped up there in Arizona when when people were injured or, or not not being made use of very well in the offense while DeAndre Hopkins is suspended. Now Hopkins is going to be coming back in a couple of weeks and I think that we're going to see a different Arizona in general because of Hopkins back in that offense. But Dorch was one of those guys and this pops up every season too Jason where you have a couple of guys that come up and they do really well for three games and then we never to be heard from again. Yes. <laughs> Anton Smith comes to mind. Well, that guy is just great. He's a legend. He's, He's a legend in this house. He was on the Bears for a while, too. He's on a couple different teams. Yeah, but he was really a legend in Atlanta. Yeah, that was like one out of three, uh, one out of two touches is a touchdown or something. <laughs> Averaging about four points per touch. The Bears are like, we only want to give him the ball three times because we know that one of them will be a touchdown. And you know that I think helps. it was. I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, Sky Moore on the Kansas City Chiefs, who, again, uh, a rookie that everyone had all the hopes in the world for, but he's not the guy who's going to get the ball in that offense. They already have guys, right? Juju and Marcus Valdez-Scantling, and uh, 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 who's also on this list, by the way, uh, and Mikol Hardman. <laughs> well, they're going to, th- you know, you can't even count on what, like, what method uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to throw the ball. Yeah, he, just, but he will still throw a touchdown. He spreads it around. Uh, but you don't want Sky Moore, the rookie on the offense. That's like uh, people that that draft every year the fast guy on the Raiders. Like you mean the Raiders? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But don't just take the fast guy that's on yeah. the Raiders. I mean, he'll probably get they're him. all just the fast guy. He'll probably end up in some drunken car accident in Las Vegas or something. Devontae Adams is going to go down as the second best Raiders receiver. The slow guy. <laughs> no, he's not slow, but he's. I don't think he's fast. He's just huge. Uh, Devontae Parker, 58% rostered, not someone that you want on your squad. I just talked about Marquez Valdez-Scantling. If you look up his stat line, uh, because of what Jason said, is absolutely true. They're passing the ball around. Juju's getting more involved. We have a lot of people on that offense that you've never even heard of that are getting passes. Scantling is not going to be a guy who's consistent enough to be uh, even a depth piece for your uh for your wide receivers. There are other better plays for you to pick up. There are other better guys that are already available on the waiver wire that score more points than Scantling does. Uh, you don't want a Patrick Mahomes gamble to be the reason why you win or lose a fantasy game. <laughs> uh, Chase Claypool, 76% rostered in leagues. Also not a guy that you want. Right now we see that the new quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers has some chemistry with George Pickens. Uh, as we know, Jason, uh, the the quarterbacks that come in that are that are not taking all the first team reps are always generally better with the rookies and the, uh, uh, the thir- second WR three WR fours on the team. Absolutely, and and that's good. Sometimes that carries over. I think you'll see a little bit more Deontay Johnson. Uh, they have a new receiver, a rookie who ran maybe the fastest forty I think I've ever seen. So now uh, we do want the fastest guy. If only if he's a stealer, uh, Calvin <laughs> Calvin Austin. Uh, so you may see some good stuff from him. But no, I think that uh, that it's going to be Pickens and Deontay Johnson and P- uh, Pat Fryermuth. I I don't see Claypool uh, having a great chemistry. And really, for us, what Claypool is is a big jump ball guy. Yeah. Uh, and he's not like the guy that runs the great routes. He's not the the guy that um, is the smartest guy in the field. He's the big jump ball guy. Sure, absolutely. So, not a consistent piece. Not someone you want to have rostered. Find another guy. Um, Julio Jones, 65% rostered. He was looking good earlier in the season, um, and, and there was a lot of injuries in general to the wide receiver corp that uh, Tom Brady had. And now we have Chris Godwin back. We have Mike Evans back. Uh, Cole Beasley was there for a moment. Uh, not retired. Tampa Bay is just 
hiring all these guys for a little while while we need receivers. Uh, Julio Jones now, I think, was the uh, had the fourth most targets last week, even though he was he was healthy and so was everyone else. I don't think we're going to see Julio Jones have any more big games unless there are major injuries to the regular players. You're going to see a lot of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, just like you thought you would. Yeah, that's absolutely. what's that's what's going to happen there. They're far and away the most talented players on that team right now. Uh, aside from like Tom Brady, and I like Rashad White too. Did you watch the game? Uh, there was there was so much action happening with Brady and White. It was just like he was his old James White from New England or whatever. He was trying he's trying to mold him into that little backfield piece. Yeah, and he was getting a ton of play. I watched like the first half, but I gotta say I was focused on the crab legs in front of me. <laughs> well, it's fine. Well, I, I saw the whole game. Uh, Fournette mostly sitting on the sideline while Tom Brady looked and smiled at Rashad White with all those little passes. <laughs> and what that means to me is Fournette can't play every snap. He's unable to. You're yeah. probably going to only see him out there 50% of the time and see White come in and, and start to be Brady's new pet project. Mm-hmm. So watch out for him. Uh, the guy that I do want to highlight is Allen Robinson. So 84% rostered in leagues. He is, to me, clearly a drop. He, you could sit there and wait, right? You could sit there and wait for a guy to be better. You could sit there and wait for uh, for things to change. Uh, if this is not a dynasty league, there is no reason for you to roster Allen Robinson on your team. Uh, he played very well with uh, Blake Bortles in 2015. That was seven years ago. He played very well for the Bears in 2019 and 2020. 2021 was a complete disappointment. Uh, we had this impending renaissance of Robinson together with the best quarterback he's ever had, Matt Stafford. It'll be great when you have Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. How can you defend both those guys? You know, it's just not working out. Robinson is the WR72 on the season through four games. <laughs> and he's averaging only five fantasy did points you, per did game. You, like, how long did it take you to find him on the list? Yeah, I thought he was going to be a little higher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, plus when you get to that point, as you know, there's just a ton of guys. Like it doesn't, there's, there's so much depth right there. And like the people scoring five, six a game. Uh, but you're looking at him being in, um, uh, direct competition in fantasy with, with guys that you wouldn't roster. So it, it just makes complete sense. Uh, we have to dump him. We, we, we are not going to see an immediate change. We've, we've heard the coach speak. Blah, blah, blah. But Stafford and Robinson are simply not connecting. The only people that Stafford can throw the ball to are uh, Tyler Higbee and Cooper Cup. And that's it. That's all there is. Uh, There's nothing else that he can do right now as a quarterback and nothing else Robinson can do. Uh, And it may be, you know, towards the end of his career. I mean, he's been playing in the league for quite a long time. He's had a couple of resurgences. I don't know that he gets three tries. I don't know that he gets three chances. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, tight ends are the last people that I want to mention, and I'll uh, uh, kick it back to Jason for any more comments uh, or people that I may have missed because there are a lot of people that you should have cut. <laughs> uh, Hunter Henry at 65%. He, last year, was just a touchdown scoring machine, and in this current offense with this current play calling, that's not what's happening. Now, I know Janu Smith, who is also uh, the other tight end for the New England Patriots, was recently injured. I don't know if he's going to play this upcoming week. So that could give Henry a couple of more opportunities. But ultimately, Henry is a um, is like your first down sometimes option and your red zone option uh, as, a, as a, a passing offense. And if we're not using him in the red zone and he's not getting those opportunities, then he is not a worthwhile play 
uh, or even a guy to roster in a redraft league. Uh, Cole Komet, 60% rostered. Uh, again, the Bears aren't passing the ball. So even though we thought that Komet could be a, uh, a great tight end, even breaking that top 10 this year, um, we do have to see more than 11 attempts per game for anyone in the passing offense to be relevant. And so we're not waiting on that, right? We're getting rid of these players. Absolutely. You can't you can't wait for the Bears to be good. You'll be waiting your whole life. That's Just ask a lot of Bears fans in Chicago. It's true. Uh, last guy I wanted to highlight, Mike Gesicki, 70% rostered. A bunch of things going wrong in Miami. Well, we may see Tua back in a couple of weeks. According to all the reports that I've seen, there's nothing actually wrong with him. They've done MRIs. They've done a bunch of tests. They've done blah, blah, blah. Nothing's wrong with them. I mean, doesn't that just mean that there's something that's undetectable? Well, if it's undetectable, then we can't detect it. I, I'm not saying that we can detect it, but there was clearly, like, I don't know. We can debate the, the ethics of playing football and getting hit, but if someone is checked out and, and they're good, then they're good. That's that means the, that they're going to play. Yeah, that's that's the limits of our physical science, you yeah. know? And so if he wants to play and the team wants him to play and there's nothing wrong with him that's detectable, it is what it is. As long as the insurance company will still insure him. That's probably that's what it has to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, but I don't think he'll be back this, this coming week, and I don't even know if he'll be back the week after. I just know that uh, unless something changes, he will probably be back. Uh, and Teddy Two Gloves is not necessarily going to be the guy to lead Miami to, uh, to victorious at all. success. Yeah. But uh, Gesicki had a great game in week two. He put up four for 41 in a touchdown, but only put up a combined 30 yards total over the rest of the season. That's not good. His snap count through his other matches has been less than 50%. You don't want a guy who's playing less than 50% of the snaps uh, unless his name is Antone. Yeah, good, good pull. Yeah, uh, because then you know that every other snap... He'll be scoring a touchdown. He has a 50% chance of a touchdown. You can't, yeah, you can't overuse <laughs> him. All you need is four snaps, right? Touchdown. Uh, play calling has definitely centered on Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. That's not likely to change since the Dolphins are three and one. Still winning games and might even win games with Teddy Bridgewater because he is actually a decent game manager, and maybe that's all they need if you can just toss the ball up and Tyreek Hill can catch it. Um, aside from a few top guys, the tight end position has always been a scramble to pick up and play matchups. Go back to that game, Gasicki owners. You need to just go and grab matchup plays, get rid of Mike Gasicki. We don't know what's going on with uh, with Miami. And even if we did, he's not even in most of those snaps. So if you're not there and you don't have the opportunity to play uh, and, and get those passes, then we don't want you. So in Atlanta, Antone Smith touched the ball 44 times and scored seven touchdowns. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm sure it's the highest ever in the NFL of someone that had such a... more than like 50 touches total. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that because I know uh, Mike Vrabel on the Patriots like has 10 catches for 10 touchdowns. But he was a defensive player who would occasionally line up at tight end. Well, go Vrabel. That's a good good stat line. Yeah, but yeah, you have to, or maybe it was Teddy Bruschi. You have to eliminate. I forget the, who it was. It was outliers. one of their yeah one of the one of the uh, tight one of their linebackers in the early 2000s on that dynasty squad. I like 10 for 10. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's well done. So anything else that you want to uh, bring up today? Um, no. I mean, you even went through all of the things on social media that you should subscribe to with us. I appreciate you going over that. But, yeah, uh, we'll be back here next week, uh, 9 o'clock Central. So you can go in the chat room and ask questions. We've had uh, last couple of weeks people coming in and asking us trade questions or who should I pick up or who do you like better to start. We love, um, you know, 
changing it up a little bit in the show and answering those questions. So please bring us all those questions. If you just want to email us ahead of time and listen to the podcast later, we will get to those questions as well. You can reach us, Jason at drink5.com or Dave at drink5.com, or you can tweet us at drink5 and we will get back to you. So until next week. Thanks, okay. everyone. What he said. Good night. Waiting for flowers.